0: To the contrarian marketing podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, we're talking about maximizing LinkedIn. So, for context, Kevin, tell us why we're doing this.
1: Yes. So, one reason is because one of our listeners and readers, going by the name of Arters, requested that in the Substack chat. So, if you have the Substack app, you can chat with us, engage with us. And I recently asked, what do you want to hear more about? And Arthur said, LinkedIn optimization. Basically, how do I use LinkedIn more effectively? But another reason is that LinkedIn is growing. It's actually more exploding. In the latest Microsoft earnings from Q1 that just came out a couple of days ago, they mentioned that LinkedIn revenue has grown 17% year over year. They have over 875 million users. And some of their features are just crazy. For example, the newsletter feature is subscribed to by 150 million people, which is up 4x year over year. So a lot is going on LinkedIn for various reasons. One of them is Twitter just dying. It's also a very effective source of leads for me personally. It's probably the second largest source of leads. I know other consultants feel the same way. And it has become so important to accelerate your career if you like it or not. So how do you maximize LinkedIn to either build an audience or to accelerate your career and propel it forward?
0: That's great. And Kevin, just to, for background for all of our listeners, we did another episode on LinkedIn where we talked about whether LinkedIn like they're dipping deeper into let's call it social media or Facebook territory. And we talked about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I think that's a, a big reason for their rise into eight hundred seventy five million users. I knew for historically LinkedIn has always sort of stagnated. They were mostly in the US. They grew a little bit in Europe. They really struggled in Asia. I remember, this is probably a long time ago, they struggled a lot in Japan where when you get a job, you stay at your job for life. And LinkedIn was viewed as a resume platform, so you don't need to use a resume platform if you're never going to get another job. And if you used it, that means you were looking for another job which wasn't culturally appropriate, so then it was assumed that you were not being culturally appropriate. So LinkedIn has done a fantastic job of becoming this social media network, growing the usage. Now people are using it even when they're not looking for another job. People are spending so much time on it. I mean, I personally probably spend more time on LinkedIn than almost any other social network, for sure any other social network, but more than almost any other app on my phone. So that's the reason for their incredible growth. But we do have that other episode where we talked about whether it's good or not that they're doing that because there is a hard cap where, you know, and again, we talked about those things, like when you engage people with memes all day and you just become like, I don't know, business Facebook, and then people have political fights on it, and then you have divisions, is this still the place where you're gonna go and get business?
1: Absolutely, and of course, we're gonna link in the show notes to that other episode. Thanks for reminding me on this one. One of the first things that I wanted to to talk about is, should you use LinkedIn as a funnel, or should you go all in? So what I mean is, when you use LinkedIn as a funnel, you basically try to get a lot of followers and attention, but ultimately bring people to your email, newsletter, website, or whatever else you have, right? So you, you use it as a starting point. The other option is to go all in on LinkedIn and really just focus on LinkedIn. And the benefit of that is you probably gain traction and build your following much, much faster than when you also have to spend time on other platforms and other content you create. So what's your take? Do you use LinkedIn as a funnel or do you go all in?
0: Yeah, so I, I love this way of framing it. And you know, part of this discussion, is there a point, right? Is there a point in spending time on LinkedIn? Like I've tried to convince some people that they need to spend time on LinkedIn. And they're like, why? My audience isn't there. Why do I need to waste time there? And I I think that's the really important question that anyone needs to ask themselves about any activity they do, unless you just want to watch TikTok videos all day, and that's what you want to do. But like, is there a purpose? Is there a broader, higher purpose for what you're doing? So if you're in a an industry where your buyers and your audience is not on LinkedIn, LinkedIn might be entertaining for you, but do you need to spend a lot of time there? But if you're in an industry where your audience is 100% on LinkedIn, like let's say, you know, this doesn't apply to consultants and to business owners, but this applies to anybody. So if you're at a company where 99% of your coworkers are on LinkedIn, then you sort of need to be on LinkedIn too, because, you know, that's where it's funny. Your boss's boss who is thinking about promoting you. They're not going to check your resume from when you applied to the job. They're going to check your LinkedIn to see who you are and what your background is as a part of that promotion discussion and promotion research. So, then you need to be on LinkedIn. So I, I think it's really important to think about why you're, you're on LinkedIn to begin with. Should you even, you know, before you even discuss like building that funnel? Now, if you're on LinkedIn because you're an employee, that's your funnel, right? You're, you're building this profile, you're building who you are. You don't necessarily need to post. If you're building your LinkedIn because you're a business owner, what is it that you're trying to get out of your business? You're trying to sell something. Maybe you have an email list. If you're a consultant, you're trying to, like you and I, trying to get awareness. I also get most of my business off of LinkedIn. But I wouldn't say it's direct response LinkedIn. I don't know if you agree with that. It's this broader profile. You post a lot of stuff. You're visible. You're an authority on a topic. And then they happen to message me on LinkedIn or message you on LinkedIn. I recently, someone was trying to approach me about doing more on Twitter. And I said, in all my time on Twitter, I don't think I've ever gotten a really qualified lead. I speak at conferences and they message me on LinkedIn they saw me at a conference, they didn't see me post about the conference, but they that's the platform they used to reach out. They didn't use Twitter DMs. So I don't disagree that there are the right audiences on Twitter. It just doesn't seem to be the platform of choice. So even if I'm I like I find it hard to believe that I'm missing out on people who are only on Twitter and only on and not on LinkedIn. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
1: I fully agree with that actually which it's not necessarily the purpose of the podcast. I should be. I should. Disagree, We're not bashing but...
0: Twitter. No, Elon Musk. Don't don't delete us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag poop emoji. But no, in all seriousness, I in the last twelve months I got maybe one lead from Twitter and probably ten to twenty from LinkedIn. The thing is, on Twitter I find more SEOs and more SEO talk, and on LinkedIn I find more non-SEOs who are also interested in SEO. So. I think that it's the best it's one of the best sources of leads. And I agree that a lot of showing up consistently, being visible and building your brand one impression at a time, I would say. So what I've noticed is that you're not going to get many leads out of one post, but if five posts are really good, people are getting aware of you. They're getting attention. And so I think we totally agree. It's a strong source of leads. As an in-house marketer, I've spent 10 years in-house. I always found it, incredibly helpful to groom my profile. And we're going to share some tips of how to do that in a moment and connect with all my coworkers. I built probably half of my, maybe half is a bit much, but a third of my networked on LinkedIn just simply by connecting with my colleagues and them connecting me with other people. So don't underestimate that LinkedIn can also be incredibly powerful even when you're in house and you have no intention of switching jobs or leaving or are afraid of being fired just simply as another tool of networking and connecting. So in my mind, this is the best way, the best replacement for traditional offline networking.
0: I love that point you're making about using it in house. Like there are companies that I've worked at or certainly consulted with, where I Don't know what the people I'm talking to look like. There is no better way than to like, find like on Instagram, someone might have a picture of their pet on Facebook. It might be their family minds of my family, right? But on LinkedIn. It's your professional profile picture. Probably like, you know, as people get older, it's like going to be like 10 years ago, but it's some, it still resembles what they look like. So like if you're looking for them in a crowd or you're going to a conference, you're meeting with someone like you go to LinkedIn to see what they look like and now you know who to find. So, so many uses for LinkedIn other than like, this is a sales platform or this is a platform to like drive a specific end goal. It's a great platform and a great network to be involved in, even if you're not posting. Let's talk about how to optimize and, and maximize it first and foremost, you should use it. Yes. You already spoke about the photo. Let's start with profile optimization and
1: we can talk about content and networking. I think LinkedIn, when, it, when we speak about maximizing LinkedIn, we really speak about these three areas. And so when it comes to your profile photo, I spent $500 for my first LinkedIn photo which was very poignant, very aggressive, but stood out, very recognizable. I used that for probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, consistently across all of my platforms and profiles. Recently, I think about a year ago, I spent another $500 on an updated photo. So you might not have to spend $500, but you want to take a crisp photo that, that fits into who you are. I see a lot of people who use just some random picture that I took on a vacation with an iPhone. And... Like, at least if the iPhone is not the problem, right? But, like, take it with intention. It does also, like, I don't think that photos with, like, suit and tie resonate that much anymore unless you're a banker or, in a, like, a lawyer in a very traditional work area. But most of the time, you probably want something that looks a bit more polished, that is taken semi-professionally. At least use portrait mode on the iPhone, And have a decent background and maybe don't wear suit and tie, especially if you're in tech or if you're an SEO, be intentional about that. It pays to invest the time and the money in a really good photo. Same with the background banner. Don't just use the blanket stars background from LinkedIn. Use Canva to create at least a somewhat professional background in 60 seconds. Invest that minimum time to have a good-looking background profile. At least use a completely black background. (laughs) In worst case, in case of doubt, keep it simple.
0: Totally agree with that. I think you can go even better with your background. On my background, I use my book so that's something I want to promote it's an image of my book because that's a better way of like, hey, this is just the random thing you might or might not notice. I've seen SEOs put like a blown up screenshot of like Search Console or Google Analytics going up and to the right, or that could be an opportunity for you to put like, I don't know, the cover of a presentation, but absolutely use that and agree with you on the, the profile picture. I think in today's day and age where everyone's got thousands, tens of thousands of pictures on their phone, having a profile picture where like your hand is (laughs) on someone else's shoulders is absolutely unacceptable.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's another thing you should not do. And this might be a bit more contrarian. You find a lot of advice of stuffing your profile headline with all sorts of keywords. And the profile headline is what appears below or next to your name. And so some people, they will put in, SEO, search engine optimization, PPC, analytics, injury investor, Bitcoin, crypto. And don't do that. That is a red flag to me. I would keep it super simple. In my profile headline, I have growth advisor, pipe, X Shopify, G2 and Atlassian. So, growth advisor, first of all, it's not growth consultant, but growth advisor. So, it sounds a bit more premium. And then x Shopify, G-Tuned, Dustin, that's just pure credibility, right? I want people to know that I've spent many years having a successful corporate in-house career, right? And I've been at impactful companies. And so one to two, maybe three pointers of who you are and what you do is absolutely enough. I wouldn't use any hashtags in your profile and I wouldn't overstuff it with weird keywords bring it to the point and I would try to make it somewhat interesting, right? Instead of growth consultant or just consultant, growth advisor. People can place that somehow, but that seems to be something that stands out a little bit.
0: All right, let's contrarian it. So I totally disagree with you doing your X's in there. I I like that you're doing growth advisor, that it says who you are. I've actually reordered mine. Now I start with author of product-led SEO because that gives me that credibility. Before I say growth advisor, I still think people don't know what growth advisor is. Every once in a while, someone reaches out and says, Hey, by any chance are you a consultant would you be open to a consulting project <laughs> so not sure what they think i do so it's not coming across clear i disagree with the exes now because i think what is it that people are finding you for and what do you want it to present yourself as instead of saying that you're an ex of wherever you are say you have a decade plus or however many years you have of leading seo at prestigious companies and Shopify's public so you could say like public company something like that the X is, it almost makes you look like you're hanging on your past and I see a lot of people doing that now with like X Facebook and X Google I think that shows up if I'm specifically looking to hire an X Facebook I'm going onto LinkedIn and using advanced search and saying I want someone that was at Facebook right you can say not currently at Facebook that's an option so the Facebook experience and you can look for specifics I think when you put that in your headline and or sorry the what, what's that piece called? The headline, right? Profile headline. Yeah. Profile. When well, you put that in your headline, I think that you're showing up a different way. You're showing up and saying, I'm hanging on to my exes. You should trust me <laughs> because of who my exes are. So did, did, I disagree with you there. I, I think the thing that you really have to think about in your profile headline is what's your elevator pitch? Like, you, literally, you're standing in the elevator and you're like, hey, who's Kevin? You don't want to be like, did you hear who my exes were? So, like, that's where I, I think you want to be like, no, no, this is who I am today. I'm Kevin Inde. I'm a growth advisor. I write the growth memo. I have a decade plus experience and something else. Like actually I put angel investor in mind, not like a big angel investor. So people listening here, like don't hit me up for big checks, but I do want the occasional someone to hit me up with like, Hey, check out my deck by putting it in there. That does happen. I've also tried like random things. Like I put in chat, expert didn't get a single thing from that. So I think it's how you want to show up. Like really like what's your elevator pitch? You're standing next to the elevator. We're standing in the elevator next to someone like, Hey, who are you? I mean, obviously you're supposed to be your name and like something more important than your career. They ask like, what do you do? That's your headline. Fair, fair.
1: I would say the only caveat is if my ex was Scarlett Johansson, but she's not. That, so that's
0: right. There goes that. well, we, let's criticize some other exes I, or the other things people do. Like whenever I see someone put in like guest posting expert, three years experience, like that's all I need to reject that. Yeah. So. I think you want to look at the inverse like what would make you because that's all you see in the invite like what would make me be like oh i want to click in more oh no okay no that's a spammer but like get me to the next click but you can do that if the inverse is oh that's a spammer i don't even want to click what's the again what's the thing you want to be like oh i should look oh this profile is interesting i'll add that person as a connection what's your connection acceptance philosophy
1: same as you if somebody seems spammy or i think they pitch slapped me which we'll talk about in a second I will reject them. I look for these red flag words, as you said, like link building expert, off page expert, business development, sales rep, account manager, and but sometimes you know it's even co founder So it's these kind of like red flag words that I'm looking at, and the profile picture is it professional or not? I will sometimes go to their profile and see have they are they working at any company? What is the company? Or are these like? Are they completely like have they been self employed from scratch and as It might sound discriminatory, but I get pitch slapped three to five times a day, even though I already filter out. So that's my acceptance philosophy.
0: Yeah, what do you do when people... So let's talk about pitch lab, And What do you do when they respond to you? Because I started something new. I sell them back. So someone will say, <laughs> yeah, I have guest posts. And then I'll, I say, how much are you willing to pay? And then they get very confused.
1: <laughs> Dude, you're, you have so much more patience than me. I it, depends. Am... it
0: depends. Or like I'll have people come and they want to sell me something, and I'll be like, "Here's the link to the book. Let me know when you buy tabs. <laughs> they just get very confused.
1: <laughs> Did anybody ever buy from that?
0: They cancel me as a connection. So like they save me the work.
1: <laughs> Good for you, man. I if somebody pitch steps me, and pitch stepping, by the way, is you accept a connection and they immediately reach out with a pitch. If that happens, I will immediately remove the connection and I will block people. <laughs> I'm, I'm that annoyed by it right now and maybe I have an anger management issue. Feel free to judge me here, but <laughs> I hate it. I think it's the worst thing you can do for your brand and for your personal brand and for your company. And I'll never do business with you if that's what you're into. I'm also very self averse in general. So don't take me as a benchmark here, but I hate cold outreach pitches on LinkedIn.
0: All right, I'm going to say the wrong thing here, but I hate them too, but I respond like I I think I bought a decent amount of stuff off of it. If it's engaging, even if it's annoying, I'll give it a shot. Like people hit me on DMS and I've had zoom calls I've bought on occasion. So yes, it's annoying, but the right thing comes through. If you come to me like, I have a list of 6,000 blog posts that you can guest post in, not a chance, but if you like, I have an interesting software, I know we don't know each other. I'll give it a shot. And I've had numerous calls on it. I wish they were more upfront in their like LinkedIn connection request. Be like, hey, I'm adding you as a connection because i want to try to sell you some software. And then I'll click a link and be like, oh, it's legit software. I'll accept the connection. And I know that you're about to pitch me. But I don't like when they're like, oh, wow, this is a CEO. Look at the, all this credibility. And then they're like, hey, thanks for accepting the connection. Would you like a demo? <laughs>
1: What that means is all the pitch lepers go to Eli. He might take your call. <laughs> I will just, yes. I'll just, and I will you. resell to right? Kevin because, because <laughs> I'm nice. And
0: then
1: I'll blog Eli. Another thing we really need to talk about when it comes to profile optimization is your description. Description is super important. First of all, describe what you do, who you are, why you're interesting, background. Spend some time. That's actually where I think keywords matter. I still wouldn't stuff it too much, but if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you actually see some keyword stuffing in the description and I know that it works. So, you know, don't overdo it. Stuff responsibly. Typically, there's some sort of like a, a user journey happening where when people see you on LinkedIn, they first see your profile picture, then your profile headline and they get intrigued. They visit your profile and then they read your description. And that's where you can really rein them in. So make sure you have an interesting story to tell, capture their attention, give them an idea for like what to do next to either, you know, follow you,
0: subscribe to your newsletter, go to your website, et cetera. So on the description, I, I think this is a good place to, like you said, keyword stuff. So best practices on resumes are, you know, put action things and explain and all that. I think LinkedIn is where people spend more time than a resume. So so when I've received a resume, I'll skim it real quick and throw it out if I don't like it. But if I decide I like someone, so then I put them in the interview stack and, you know, larger companies, you have people helping you out with this. So you pass it on to a recruiter. And, you know, this advice obviously applies to people that are not consultants and are full-time jobs and looking for full-time jobs. So we pass it on to a recruiter and then the recruiter schedules the interviews and then they end up on your calendar. And, you know, maybe you do a little prep before the interview. I don't look at the resume again. I actually go to LinkedIn and that's where I look in more detail. So the more someone has stuffed that, the more prep I'm now going to get, because again, on the resume, that's, you're like, oh, I created a hundred million dollars. I built a channel. I managed 10 employees, all those kinds of things. That got you to the level of like, now you're getting interviewed, all those other things, you stuff it, you can have a really long paragraph. Again, LinkedIn, they shrink everything. They just show the the job titles and then you can expand it. So that's where you can write like, I worked on this project. I went overseas. I spoke at 60 conferences. And all of that is really helpful prep to the interviewer. And that can come up in the interview. So it's not just keyword stuffing and really fill that out and put all the important things in there. Again, keep it updated. So one thing I noticed people do on LinkedIn for the job descriptions, they're in present tense. So if you haven't been at that company in five years, it's really helpful to like change it to like, you know, sometimes people put like the boilerplate from the company and say, we approach this industry and like, you're no longer a we, you haven't been there for five years. So like update that. So when your description is not updated again, you're not getting the interview canceled on yourself, but it does look like you have not cleaned up and pruned your, your LinkedIn to really put your best foot forward. So do that.
1: On the money, Eli, on the money. I think that's all we have for profile optimization. Or maybe one last tip that I want to give is if you have the intention of building a following on LinkedIn, set your profile to creator mode. You might get preferred treatment for your post by LinkedIn. But even more important, the top CTA for your profile is to follow you instead of to connect with you. And that is a much, much lower bar for many people. And you don't have to accept them for them to see your posts. They can just simply follow you And see your stuff. So setting it to to creator mode for me probably doubled the rate of followers and impressions that I got on LinkedIn.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Let's talk about content. So when when it comes to posting, there's a whole bunch of things to be aware of. One is the frequency that should be about once a day. Some people do twice a day, even three times a day. But I noticed that I have one post a day where I get a lot of engagement. If I post shortly after or even a bit longer after, I get less reach and less attention from LinkedIn. So once a day seems to be about the sweet spot. The more days in a row consecutively you post, the more engagement you seem to get. So I try to post roughly once a day and sometimes I'll skip a day just to give people a break. So when I don't have something that I think is worth posting, I will not post. And sometimes a whole week goes by without me posting. And it can help to just, you know, get, give people a second to breathe. Uh, Eli, do you have a posting frequency strategy?
0: It's a contrarian marketing podcast. I just screw with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I, I think the most important thing that anybody that wants to build a following needs to do, and we talked about why you might want to build a following. I don't think you should build a following just to build a following. There's no point in it. But if you decided you want to build a following and you want to grow your LinkedIn, then you need to really pay attention to this platform and test and figure out what works. So initially, I think the best advice would be to post once per day. And if you post it again, LinkedIn would step on you or the algo would step on you. I see that this isn't the case. So I see a lot of people that post multiple times per day and I tried the same. So what I do is sometimes I'll post up to three times per day because what happens is, that if I have posted something, and only gets 500 impressions. And then I post something again, I haven't pissed off the 40,000 followers I have. I've only maybe annoyed if they notice again, those first 500 people. So I have another shot at this. And I don't think it's necessarily the case that the posts are stepping on each other. There was something I did last week where I posted, I got like 1100 views in the morning, 1100 impressions. I wasn't really thrilled with that. So I posted something again, the next one got 30,000. So you really have to test and see what's working for you again i think this algo is very unique where it will work for one person it won't necessarily work for you Where you know somebody will do something at one time i don't know if we should talk about times because i don't think they really matter like sometimes i post at 7 a.m pacific which is 10 a.m eastern which is i don't know different times in europe and it's middle of the night in asia it depends on your following so the most important thing for really growing a post is that it gets very very quick engagement like you get a quick like you get a quick comment you get a quick repost if your following is online and engaging at that time you'll get that so there's no like make sure you post at 8 10 every morning and you by the way linkedin now has this way of scheduling posts. like there's no like you make sure you post at exactly this time it's everybody's individual time because that's when you get the most engagement which accelerates things and the way the algo works is that once things accelerate You get more and more impressions, but as soon as it decelerates, then you get less, right? So LinkedIn's watching it, like, oh, you're getting a post every, you're getting a a like every minute. Show it to more people, and then it's like, well, you only haven't got a like in 15 minutes. It shows less, less, and then falls off a cliff. That's how it works. It could last over time, so I think it could only go viral that first day or first few hours, but it will continue to get shown to people over an entire week, and that's where I think posting multiple times is good because now you're expanding certain people are going to see things over that week. Kevin, you should test that, see what happens.
1: Maybe we should test that. Hmm. We should post more about the Contrary Marketing Podcast. I heard it's really good. I love what you say about initial engagement. I came to that same conclusion from testing different posting times. They don't matter, but what matters much more is how much engagement do you get? And some data suggests that the initial, the first 90 minutes are critical. So that's the reason for why I tend to post more in the morning and I'm at Eastern time. Uh, U.S. Eastern Time Zone. That is because it it, cre- it creates a, a longer or bigger surface where more people are awake and might see my post before they go to work or even while they're at work, and they see my stuff and they engage. And that is so much more important than the actual time when I post. So I found that the first ninety minutes are super critical, and then there seems to be another cutoff point after eight hours where LinkedIn tends to measure the engagement we get between ninety minutes and eight hours to then decide should we boost that post even more or not. So. I often either have duds or I have posts that go through the roof. So it's often like 5,000 impressions or 30, 40, 50,000 impressions when they really go through the roof. And a lot of that is from initial engagement. So the, the wrong way to do this is to just tag a whole bunch of people in that post. If you tag people, be sure that they will respond and they respond meaningfully. But I, oft- I sometimes get like tagged on these like posts or comments with 10 other people and I'm not going to respond because I know they're just trying to engagement bait me. But when people comment, immediately engage in the comments and don't just say yes or amazing or you know, whatever. But try to keep the conversation going. Try to get them to respond again. Sometimes like sometimes it really helps to ask a question in your post as well or finish with a question so that you get people to engage. But they will sniff out if you just try to bait them to engage.
0: Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So again, being contrarian here. So the real important thing on LinkedIn is conversations and engagement. So if you bait them, the algo doesn't recognize sentiment. So if you're willing to take the key, then you can post something and get the engagement. And then you get a lot of, like you get more visibility and then you can parlay that visibility into more conversations or whatever you're trying to do. Again, you have to have a goal here. Like, are you trying to get newsletter subscribers, sell a software, sell your services, get another job? So you can engage people, you can say the most incredibly inflammatory and accusatory things and people are going to engage and jump on you and then your profile will actually grow because again, LinkedIn doesn't look at sentiment. Like I, on occasion, I'll post things, I don't mean to really fire up a base, but you know, I, have, I have specific opinions about the value of certain SEO work and you know, I'll state an opinion and it'll blow up because there are a bunch of people that feel like I've challenged their worldview and they want to come and do something, but those posts blow up because all that engagement is happening negative engagement. They might be saying negative things about me, but the post itself blows up. You should comment. I mean, I don't really think that showing up and saying, oh, that's amazing. Good job is going to drive a lot of engagement. But I would say again, contrarian view here, say there's a CEO you're following and most CEOs shout out to all the LinkedIn agencies out there that help people build their personal brands. Most CEOs have no idea to do it. That's why all those agencies exist. So if you see a CEO post like, was really great to see all my my board today at our golfing event and all this stuff and somehow that shows up in your feed and there's no comments and like all the golfing buddies are liking it that's when you can go and put that stupid comment on be like hey congrats bob that uh, looks like a great event you had no one else is going to engage in it that's not going to get a ton of likes but you know who's going to see that that ceo is going to see that comment and be like oh there's that person why are they commenting on my thing oh well they have this background they could be my next you know head of finance so There is a contrarian view on why you might want to write that stupid comment, but don't just like, oh, or one thing I do, again, this is stupid, but I like doing it. You know, when it's your birthday and random people message you on Facebook and you're like, wow, I got like 80 messages of like happy birthday. They're not meaningful. They're auto created by Facebook. That's just happy birthday. And they get the balloons and a lot of stuff. But whenever (laughs) I see someone on LinkedIn gets a new job, I write congrats because I'm not just trying to comment for the sake of commenting, because I think it, it does make people feel good. Like when I'm in that position and someone says, congrats, I'm like you got a hundred congrats on my new job. I feel good about it. So again, I'm not doing that just to create visibility. I actually want to share some of that good karma.
1: A hundred percent, man. I feel like we're, you know, we can, there's so many more tips that we can share. I w- how about th- we just put all the other tips in our newsletter that you can subscribe to for free on Substack. Or don't have to subscribe. You can just read the article if you want to. And then we're going to cut it a bit short. So how about, Eli, you and I, we both share one more tip. And then we're going to wrap it up. So the tip that I want to share is not a tactic, but more of a strategic investment in yourself. And that is to learn how to copyright. I found that the best posts on LinkedIn, they all have a really strong copywriting structure. And the reason is that there's so much content out there that you need to capture people's attention. You can still provide media posts that are really informative and where people learn something, but you need to get them hooked first. You need to capture their attention. And that's why I think everybody should learn copywriting. There are some simple frameworks out there, like the problem agitation solution framework, which I use in all of my posts, actually. And then there are some more advanced ones. and There are some great product marketing or copywriting experts out there. At the end of the day, you want to invest the time to learn this. It's a skill and it increases not just your the attention you get on LinkedIn, but through email, communication with other people, basically so many things that you do. So there's my tip, learn copywriting. Eli, what do you got?
0: You stole my tip. No, just kidding. I think that's the most important tip ever to really learn how to write. I've tried things on LinkedIn. I've done these things where you write one post and it doesn't go anywhere, but then you rewrite it and with better copy and it goes somewhere. And I've spent a lot of time trying to learn copywriting, but it's not my thing. But I do know that when there's better copy, it does engage people and it grabs your headline. My tip is you really have to give. Shout out to someone named Jake Ward. I've never met him in person, but I've been following him some time on LinkedIn. He provides incredibly valuable content. He does these document shares, which are great tips on how to do things. I think he's giving away a ton of value and he his following has been growing. And not because, you know, people are like, oh, well, this is a celebrity. I need to follow the celebrity. Like, I just need to follow Ryan Reynolds and Gwyneth Paltrow, who one day are going to be on our podcast. But they're following because he's providing value. And the only way you can keep capturing that value and keep learning the things that he's sharing is to follow. So the more you provide value to your followers, the more followers you'll get. And it's not like, oh, I, I need to get followers. I'm famous and I have a great picture and I share really you know, interesting things people want to do. Like you're sharing value. So people follow you and they repost what you share of value to their followers. And that's how you grow a following. Love that.
1: Love that. 100% agree. Time to wrap it up. Eli, I think this was fire. So many benefits from using LinkedIn, even for product sales sometimes. But you got something else coming up on Substack. Talk about that for a second.
0: So yeah, so first of all, you should be subscribed to our Substack here, which is thecontrariamarketingpodcast.com. And that goes over our Substack but I have my own Substack, productledseo.substack. I'm writing this post, which by the time you hear this podcast, it's already gonna be out. So the eight-year anniversary of Dave Goldberg, who was the CEO of SurveyMonkey, where I worked for a number of years, is coming up. So eight-year anniversary of his death. He passed away suddenly. You know, he was on a treadmill and there was an accident eight years ago, and he he died. So he was incredibly influential in my career, and I dedicated my book to him. So I'm writing a post about how important he was to my career, and, and you know, the, the short piece of that is that he was an incredible giver and he, you know, enabled me to have opportunities I never would have had in my entire life, but simply not because he was my boss, but because he was a mentor and a friend, but he did things for me, just for me. And I was just one person. And I I know he did this for so many people. So I'm writing this post, which please check out on my Substack. We'll end up doing like a longer piece on what an amazing person was and how many lives he influenced. Like, you know, there was one story someone shared with me, how he, went to, Dave Goldberg was at EIR at a a VC firm before he became the CEO of SurveyMonkey. And he was, he pitched this person that shared the story with me. He pitched the firm on his startup and the partners all voted it down immediately. But Dave Goldberg chased this guy into the parking lot. He said, the partners don't like it, but I do. And here's a check. And that was it. So like, he was that kind of person. So I'll write about my experience, but I know he was an incredible person that we should definitely talk about more of like the things he did for the world. And one thing that you know, when you Google him, the one article you should read, which is the article I read before I even joined SurveyMonkey, Cheryl Sandberg, his wife, had an amazing TED talk about how she left work at five o'clock to be a mom to her kids. And Dave Goldberg followed that up with his own article in Bloomberg Business Week about how he does the same. And he, you know, working, SurveyMonkey, working with him, he really, really did that. And the way he put family first and the way, you know, work was a way to enable family and not the other way around. So Credible Person, we'll do a deeper podcast. But when this comes out, my Substack will be there. Check out the article and let me know what you thought. And Kevin, this is, this is a fire podcast. We should do more of this.
1: We will, we will. And we'll rock more of that. Until then, Eli, thanks for talking. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Kevin. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.